Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional. Uh, Reading from another pastor, Pastor John Piper's writing. Uh, This is a a collection of daily devotionals called A Godward Life. And there are actually two volumes of this book. So um, I highly recommend you get both if you'd like to have a a bit of uh, writing by this passionate uh, pastor who loves God, loves God's word, and loves God's people. Um, he's got uh, in this book, uh, volume two here, uh, a selection that is uh, all about a, a talk given by one of his mentors, a man named Clyde Kilby. And um, he heard him speak once, and I'll, I'll, I'll let him tell the story as I read this, but uh, it's, it's so practical. You, you might want to have a, a, a little you know, paper and pencil nearby um, and you can you can write down these just these really quick little 10 thoughts that uh, Clyde Kilby's resolutions for mental health that's what he calls it awakening amazement at the strange glory of ordinary things and I think it's just just brilliant um, let's 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 hear from dr. Uh, Piper at the first Covenant Church on October 22nd 1976 raise your hand if you were born then okay good I keep your hands on the wheel if you're driving Clyde Kilby who is now with Christ in heaven gave an unforgettable lecture John Piper says I went to hear him that night because I loved him he had been one of my professors in English literature at Wheaton College he opened my eyes to more of life than I knew could be seen Oh, what eyes he had. He was like his hero, C.S. Lewis, in this regard. When he spoke of the tree he saw on the way to class in the morning, you wondered why you had been so blind all your life. Since those days in classes with Clyde Kilby, Psalm 19.1 has been central to my life, says John Piper. The sky or the heavens are telling of the glory of God. So just walking a class uh, for us, just driving to work, driving to our office, driving around our neighborhoods or walking around our neighborhoods. One tree, you know, makes such a huge difference. Um, When Kim and I take walks around our neighborhood, I cannot believe, with amazing skill, we can be walking at a pretty good pace and she can actually see not only you know, when it, when it's uh, sort of springtime and summer and all that sort of thing, not only can she see that there's clover in the yard there, she can see the four-leaf clover. I'd have to stop, get a magnifying glass out, and, and, and slowly go from clover to clover. Somehow or another, Kim has eyes to see four-leaf clovers all the time. It blows my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it, but it's, it, it reminded me of, of what Dr. Kilby must have been trying to convey to John Piper uh, to keep your eyes open and see the glory of God. Well, that night, John Piper talking about Dr. Kilby's um, sermon, he says, Dr. Kilby had a pastoral heart and a poet's eye. This is so good. He pled with us to stop seeking mental health in the mirror of self-analysis, but instead to think in the remedies of God and nature. He was not naive. He knew of sin. He knew of the necessity of redemption in Christ. Um, and I'm, I'm sure he would add, he knew of the very real help that mental health prof- professionals can be. And 
and all of that. But he would have said that Christ purchased new eyes for us as well as new hearts. His plea was that we stop being unamazed by the strange glory of ordinary things. That's so nasty. I'm just totally drawn in. This is like walking the neighborhood and Kim seeing these four-leaf clovers. This is the amazing or extraordinary or strange glory of ordinary things. Kilby ended that lecture with a list of resolutions as a tribute to my teacher and a blessing to your soul. John Piper says, I offer them for your joy. And so just a few minutes here. Uh, there are 10 things. You might want to write them down or at least pause the tape or if you're listening to this uh, somehow or another and you have a pause button, that's fine. Number one, at least once a day, I shall look steadily up at the sky and remember that I, a consciousness with a conscience, am on a planet traveling in space with wonderfully mysterious things above and about me. So once a day, look up into the sky. Realize that you're a creature traveling on a planet in space. And by the way, I looked it up. We're traveling at the speed, just spinning. Our globe spins 1,037 miles an hour at the equator. So if you're anywhere other than the equator, it's probably faster. But that's how fast we're traveling. It's spinning, spinning, spinning. 1,037 miles an hour. Wow. So he's saying, stop, look up there, and look at all of the wonderful, mysterious things that are above me and about me. Number two, instead of the accustomed idea of a mindless and endless evolutionary change to which we can neither add nor subtract, I shall suppose the universe guided by an intelligence, which, as Aristotle said of Greek drama, requires a beginning, a middle, and an end. I think this will save me from the cynicism expressed by Bertrand Russell, a well-known famous atheist, uh, before his death when he said, quote, there is darkness without, and when I die, there will be darkness within. There is no splendor, no vastness anywhere, only triviality for a moment, and then nothing. Oh my goodness, what despair. Um, I mean, okay, give Bertrand Russell credit for acknowledging the despair that follows from his conclusions that there is no God, no meaning to life, no splendor, no vastness, all of that. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with his conclusions. Number three, Clyde Kilby's, uh, what does he call these things again? Resolutions for mental health as uh, recorded in John Piper's book here. Number three, I shall not fall into the falsehood that this day or any day is merely another ambiguous, plodding 24 hours, but rather a unique event filled, if I so wish, with worthy potentialities. I shall not be fool enough to suppose that trouble and pain are wholly evil parentheses in my existence but just as likely ladders to be climbed toward moral and spiritual maturity. Yeah, that's interesting. What a different way of looking at everyday life, every moment of everyday life, including suffering and trials. Four, I shall not turn my life into a thin, straight line which prefers abstractions to reality. 
I shall know what I am doing when I abstract, which of course I shall often have to do. And that's just so good. Um, I love that. Don't turn your life into a thin straight line, which prefers abstractions to reality, but also understand that, no, that what I am doing when I abstract. I think that's really important. Five, I shall not demean my own uniqueness by envy of others. Listen, you see how that affects you? When you envy others, you demean your own uniqueness. Once again, my, I think of what my wife says so often. When we engage in comparison thinking, like we're looking at others, we're thinking, oh, I could do that, or I could do that better, or I could never do that. Either way, we find ourselves the result, as Kim says, is we become either smug or small. Smug, because we could do better than that, or small, I could never do that. My life means nothing. And so comparison thinking isn't good. And Kilby says the same thing as recorded here in Piper's book. Don't demean your uniqueness by envy of others. I shall stop boring into myself to discover what psychological or social categories I might belong to. Mostly, I shall simply forget about myself and do my work. I'm reminded of that great book by Tim, that tiny little booklet by Tim Keller, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And now uh, our friend uh, Gavin Ortland has a book called The Joy of Self-Forgetfulness. It is a freedom and a joy. Try it. I think you'll find that's the case. Number six, I shall open my eyes and ears. Once every day, I shall simply stare at a tree, a flower, a cloud, or a person. I shall not then be concerned at all to ask what they are, but simply be glad that they are. I shall joyfully allow them the mystery of what Lewis calls their divine, magical, terrifying, and ecstatic existence. Be present in the moment. Yeah, that's amazing. Number seven, I shall sometimes look back at the freshness of vision I had in childhood and try at least for a little while to be, in the words of Lewis Carroll, the, quote, child of the pure, unclouded brow and dreaming eyes of wonder, end quote. So good. Number eight, I shall follow Darwin's advice and turn frequently to imaginative things such as good literature and good music, preferably, as C.S. Lewis suggests, an old book and timeless music. And uh, I very much fall into that same camp. You know, I've I'd, I'd kind of say for every one book I read by a living author, I should read five or ten by dead authors, books that have stood the test of time. Um, really good. Number nine, I shall not allow the devilish onrush of this century to usurp all my energies, but will instead, as Charles Williams suggested, and that's Charles Williams, the friend of C.S. Lewis, a uh, good buddy of C.S. Lewis, uh, fulfill the moment as the moment. I shall try to live well just now because the only time that exists is now. And um, so there you go. Once again, live in the sacred now. Uh, number 10, even if I turn out to be wrong, I shall bet my life on the assumption that this world is not idiotic, neither run by an absentee landlord, but that today, this very day, some stroke is being added to the cosmic canvas 
that in due course I shall understand with joy as a stroke made by the architect who calls himself Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That was number 10. So 10 uh, resolutions for mental health um, originating with a man named Clyde Kilby, who was a professor at Wheaton College when John Piper, Pastor John Piper, went there, as recorded in this book, A Godward Life by John Piper. The subtitle is Savoring the Supremacy of God in All of Life. And this is, as I say, volume two. So you want to get volume one and volume two uh, published by Multnomah. Let me pray for us today, Lord. We are so grateful for this moment, this day. Um, so flood and fill uh, each and every second, each and every minute and hour of this day, Lord, with your presence. Give our uh, souls and our spirits and our minds the ability, Lord, uh, to remain connected with you, engaged with you. Um, fill us to overflowing with wonder and astonishment as we look around at uh, all that creation uh, has to offer in the way of signs pointing to you, the architect, the designer, the creator, sustainer, and ruler of everything. And even as we think about that, Lord, we entrust again to you uh, our uh, every bit of our being, our minds, our souls that need you so desperately, Lord. There's so much chaos. There's so much that would distract us, so much that would defeat us, uh, so much that would seek to uh, ruin a soul or twist a soul. So we turn to you, Lord, and may your, the, the light of your love flood the darkness that's all around us and, and even the darkness that is encroaching in our inside of us, Lord. Flood us with the light and the beauty of your grace on offer to us in the person and work of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. Have a great day. Daily Devotions with Pastor Jim Thomas is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Kagey.